In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. My name is Father Matt. I'm one of the priests, pastors here at the table. Today, we're taking a look at a collection of texts from Wilda Gaffney's Women's Lectionary. And we hear this. From 2 Samuel, David saw a woman bathing from the roof. The woman was extraordinarily beautiful in appearance. So David sent messengers, and he took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her. Colossians says, put to death, therefore, whatever part of you is of the earth, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, desire, and greediness. That is idolatry. We're going to talk about this today. I sent a message after the church that this would be a little PG-13-ish, and I think it, I got it down to PG-12, but um, we're going to talk about rape today. And we're going to talk about sex today. Yeah? So just a heads up. So that's sort of a content warning. Uh, Also, uh, parents, your lunch with your kids after church may be more interesting. (laughs) We're going to talk about three things. First, we're going to talk about unhelpful ways we've heard the David and Bathsheba story taught. Secondly, we're going to talk about how Scripture works on cultural assumptions and givens that we don't share and what we do about that. And third, we're going to talk about a more helpful way to receive this David and Bathsheba story as Scripture. The good news today, church, is that Christ is all and in all. Like Mary Ellen just read. Be clothed in Christ who empowers us to reckon with our bodies and other bodies as a part of Christ. Look within and behold, all is Christ. Look around and behold, all is Christ. All abuse, exploitation, injury, harm is cast off in this inclusive, expansive reality today Christ is all and in all. So there's a trigger warning here, PG-12-ish, 13-ish. Also, I just got to say, Mallory uh, Ruark and Ben Sternke preached a two-Sunday uh, sermon on David and Bathsheba. I looked it up. It was over two years ago, which is bonkers town to me. It seems like it was two months ago. Um, Mallory, uh, Ben's was, eh. Mallory's, <laughs> Mallory's sermon, Mallory's sermon is still one of the best sermons I've heard preached in this church. Uh, if, if I wanted to sound pretty jerkish, I would say do yourself a favor and Google up that sermon. So, but it's in the lectionary, we have to preach on it. I'm not just going to play on Mallory's sermon, uh, but I'm so thankful for her. Here I am and here you are, so let's say something new. First, unhelpful ways that David and Bathsheba have been taught. Um, We're told that that, uh, David and Bathsheba committed adultery. This obscures the fact that Bathsheba had no choice here. 
No consent is given. She, she, like most women in the ancient Near East, has no agency over her own body. The first verse, which we didn't read today, points out that the narrator says, In the spring, when kings go off to war, David stayed in Jerusalem. We learn in 1 Samuel 21 that David, David himself prohibited sexual relations during battles or missions. This was to maintain ritual purity so they could carry out the divine will. This is why Uriah does not wash his feet, which is a euphemism. So we see that David is not where kings should be. And not only is he not where kings should be, he's doing things that he's said not to do. This isn't, a, this isn't a case of adultery. This is a case of rape. Straight up, end of the story. Sexual assault. I think for a long time in our culture, we haven't been able to see that. There's all these movies from the 80s. I grew up in the 80s, and I'm, I'm, I'm like... For family movie nights, I'm like, we should pull out an old PG movie from the 80s and watch it as a family. There's, there's some, I mean, it's just cringy sometimes, right? There's all kinds of fat shaming, all kinds of racism, and there's all kinds of blatant, wanton misogyny and sexual assault passed off as normie. It's unbelievable. So many women, perhaps most women, probably most women in this room, had some instinct or understanding that the cultural norms weren't good or safe for them. But people like me didn't. And you paid the price for that. So this is rape. And it isn't Bathsheba's fault. She was bathing where she was supposed to be bathing. There's a common misconception that she was bathing on her roof. The text doesn't say that. It says that David saw her from the roof. The palace was the, the largest building for miles. Kilometers, if you will. <laughs> and that means he could see down into people's houses. Bathsheba was likely in her house and was bathing naked like 99.9% of all of us do. <laughs> you know, there's maybe some never nudes out there, but... <laughs> She's bathing the way you're supposed to bathe. It's not her fault. She's not punished in the scriptures. David is. She doesn't ask for forgiveness. She doesn't get a parable from a prophet about the wrong she did. David already has seven wives at this point. This isn't about Bathsheba tempting or seducing David. It's about David not being a very good person. Paraphrasing. 
Parenthetically, Deuteronomy 17 warns against the accumulation of wives, and now we see for David, it isn't because having more wives mean you have to manage more honeydew lists, <laughs> more concubines, more problems. Uh, the song that Joel wrote in Psalm 38, there's some very, uh, it's, it's, the tradition says that David wrote it, but it's got some phrases in it that are uh, arresting. My loins are on fire. My lovers keep away from me. I have sores and lesions on my body. Many interpreters think that David's whoring around uh, got him a bad case of the clap. So, can we agree to stop blaming Bathsheba for her rape? Can I get an amen? Can we agree to stop blaming women for their sexual assault? Can I get an amen? I'm spending a lot of time on this. Y'all know who Francine Rivers is? Christian fiction? I saw some uh, children shake their heads no. That is a blessed place to be. (laughs) She wrote all his redeeming love books. She wrote a fictional book about Bathsheba called Unspoken. This isn't some... Uh, marginalized Christian voice. This is probably the most popular, famous Christian fiction writer in the last 30 years. You can go to Hobby Lobby right now and find her book on one of those (laughs) little turnstiles. She wrote a fictional book about Bathsheba called Unspoken, where, get this, the plot involved Bathsheba's father being one of David's mighty men and her having a crush on David as an eight-year-old. Nope. No. This is a cultural problem we have. Romanticizing Bathsheba so that we don't call this sexual assault. It is sexual assault. So what does this mean? Women's bodies, including Bathsheba's, aren't inherently dangerous, tempting, seductive, shameful, or bad. This text, women, cannot be used to police your body. What you wear, what you don't wear, how you bathe, etc. Modesty, this text often gets used to talk about modesty. Modesty in Scripture isn't about spaghetti straps and miniskirts. It's about wealth. Being immodest, when Paul talks about modesty, he's talking about lavish displays of wealth that create oppressive divisions within the church. So, let your spaghetti straps fly. Men's bodies are inherently uncontrollable. Guys, I'm sorry if I'm the first man to tell you this. Because Christian culture in the United States, you would think that the most uncontrollable thing about the universe 
is a man's marriage tackle. Not, see that's PG-12 there. I could have, yeah. It's not true. Some of the ways that we've been shaped and formed spiritually, I'm going to go over 20 minutes today. Some of the ways we've been formed and shaped spiritually to handle, take dominion over our bodies, guys, is dehumanizing to women. I was taught it was better to not look at a woman if I could possibly sin by looking at her. Which, there's nothing wrong with that except women are created in the image of God and I'm made for human relationships, even with women. And you are too. We make rules that treat women as primarily temptations to manage and avoid. The Billy Graham rule, some of you know about that. Men and women, we don't have to manage our relationships based on worst case scenarios. Men and women, you were created to have dominion over your body. Men and women, you were created to look at each other. It's crazy I have to say that. You were created to look at each other. In the eyes, and behold the glory of God. Men and women, you are created to be friends. You have permission to make friends. Today we proclaim the good news that Christ is all and in all. Be clothed in Christ, who empowers us to reckon with our own bodies and other bodies as a part of Christ. Look within. And behold, all is Christ. Look around. And behold, all is Christ. All oppression, abuse, harm, injury is cast off in this inclusive, expansive, new reality. Christ is all and in all. So some cultural assumptions about the scriptures that we have to talk about. The scriptures don't frame what David did as adultery. They frame it as stealing. You ever notice in the Ten Commandments, there's the commandment to not commit adultery, but then there's the later commandment, don't cover your neighbor's wife? Why? Why do we need two commandments about that? Turns out guys have been harming women for a long time. It's probably one of the reasons. But another reason is, is that women were treated as a possession of their husbands or their fathers. This is borne out in how the scriptures talk about this sin. You see, the sin in the scripture isn't against Bathsheba. It's against Uriah and God. David says in Psalm 51, against you and you only have I sinned. The net result in the scriptures is that Bathsheba's pain and suffering of being raped and having her husband murdered by her rapist and then being left to marry her rapist and watch her child die as a consequence of the choice David made to rape her? Erased. Dr. Gaffney sums it up like this. David's violation of Bathsheba's body is treated as a violation of her husband's rights to and over her body and as an offense against God. She is not treated as a victim or survivor. 
And to add insult to injury, Bathsheba not only gets ignored by the text, but her child is taken from her, according to the text, to punish David for what he did to God and Uriah. This is, I think, one of the reasons why we don't call this rape. Because the scriptures don't. And we feel sheepish or guilty. Like we have to agree that this is actually a sin against God. Yeah, Bathsheba had it bad. But you know who had it worse? God. Sorry, that was sarcasm. (laughs) This, this, does this bother anybody else? Okay. I think this bothers us not because we're prideful or we think that our morality is superior to God's. It bothers us because God is a humble God who, when he reveals himself, always accommodates to human cultures and mores that he's revealing himself in. God is operating in a male-centric, androcentric, patriarchal culture, operating according to many of those givens. So, that lets us say unequivocally that one of the more scandalous parts of this text are the assumptions made about women, about David's transgression against Bathsheba and the child who dies because of it. What if, though, women aren't property? That'll tweet. What if women aren't possessions? Nor are they ontologically inferior to men. What if? What if David sinned against Bathsheba in addition to Uriah and God? What if Bathsheba did not deserve to lose her son because someone raped her? What if we can talk about how traumatic it is to give birth to a child conceived by rape from a man who murdered your husband, who now gets to sleep with you whenever he wants if he's not with one of his other seven wives? What if we can say the causality of why an infant dies is complicated, especially in the scriptures, but to say God killed the baby to punish David should scandalize us? It's okay for your conscience to recoil at this. It's okay. It's okay to argue, wrestle, and disagree with things in Scripture that Scripture just assumes. It's okay. Church fathers did this. Jewish interpreters did this. And we can too, beloved. This text should scandalize and confound us. The good news is that Christ is all and in all. Look within and see. All is Christ. Look around and see that all is Christ. All oppression and abuse and harm and injury are cast out in this inclusive, expansive reality that says all of it is Christ. So what do we do? Well, we... uh, (laughs) Take dominion over our own bodies and stop policing other bodies. Knock it off. (laughs) Take dominion of your body and stop policing other bodies. 
Jesus tells us in the gospel that it's not what enters the mouth that defiles someone, it's what comes out of their mouth that does. So, for instance, dudes, it's not what enters your eye that makes you unclean, it's what comes out of your heart through your eyes. It's not Bathsheba's fault David decided to rape and kill her husband. It wasn't what she was wearing, it wasn't her body, it wasn't her beauty, it wasn't that she took a bath, it wasn't that she wasn't with her husband, it wasn't that she wanted it, was looking for it. Bathsheba didn't defile David, David defiled Bathsheba. We can tell because we're told she washes. So coveting, lust, anger, rancor, malice, sexual immorality, those are no one else's fault. Nobody's fault. but the one who commits it. Jesus is calling us to see all as Christ as a way to live according to this new self that we hear in Colossians. The way of death wants to see other bodies as something to possess or police or treat as a problem. But the new self clothed in Christ sees other bodies as Christ. As Christ. We must find a way to take dominion over our bodies in ways that don't objectify, marginalize, or weaponize other bodies. So, women, your bodies, every inch, every nook, and cranny, even all the crannies you'd wish you didn't have, they're welcome here. That was a little creepy, but... (laughs) But just a little. I will die on that hill, it was creepy. Your bodies are welcome here! I'll let you decide on nooks. Second thing we can do, (laughs) second thing we can do is learn to see that all is Christ. Paul focuses on this list of sins having to do with how we misuse each other. Sexual immorality, evil desire, greed, anger, wrath, slander, abusive language. These are earthly, according to the rules and logic that are not of Christ. And then he talks about how Greek and Jew and barbarian, Scythian and slave and free, they're, they're all overcome. See, these are all divisions and relationships that are, that are distant and disconnected and detached. When we aren't connected and committed to somebody else, we are more free to misuse them. That's the way of life on earth. And we actually see in our world Ways of creating division to justify violence against other people. Just pay attention to who gets scapegoated, who gets vilified, who gets demeaned, and then the result of it is malice, rancor, anger, verbal abuse. So we regard no one from an earthly perspective. All means all. take dominion of our bodies so we can see Christ as all. How, how could I verbally abuse Christ? 
when I look at a, a sister, how could I verbally abuse Christ? How could I rape Christ? It's inconceivable, isn't it? It's that kind of shift. What are people for? What? Oh, that's what people are for. How could I, how could I slut shame Christ? How could I use Christ? How could I murder Christ? Christ is all and in all. Look within and see all is Christ. Look around and see all is Christ. All abuse and harm and injury, all using and misusing of other people, it's cast out. It's inconceivable in this inclusive, expansive reality that Christ is all and in all. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.